1: Hello and welcome to Off The Beat Antrack Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I talk to singer-songwriter, promoter, um, jack-of-all-trades, uh, Tom Bright, and it's a lovely chat. It's the first time that Tom and I um, have virtually met. We've been speaking on the phone and we've been doing you know, little bits and pieces together with um, with his work at Isn't On Radio so it's really nice to get to sit and and chat at length, really. And uh, and as you're about to find out, he's, he's a wonderful guy. And, uh, well, before we get on with the episode, a few thank yous. So, um, so big thanks to Scroobius Pip and everyone at the Distraction Pieces Network. Thank you to 76 for producing this episode. Um, and thanks to uh, you lovely listeners, just for being lovely and consistently... Just saying, you know, positive things and and liking and sharing and retweeting and and just supporting the podcast and it and it really does, you know, it, it it does matter and it and it really makes makes me sort of feel that what I'm doing is um is 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 doing something you know positive and 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 user user enjoying it so so yeah, just a massive thanks to you. Um, if this is your first time listening, then um, I should point out that there's about 350 episodes of this podcast available. So once you've finished your chat, uh, you'll listen to me chatting with, um, Tom, then why not go and explore the back catalog? Because you can hear me chatting to uh, a huge array of, of artists from fat boy, slim to David gray, um, to Texas, to fat boy, slim to motley Crue, to foo fighters, to sway, to idols, to Sleaford mods. um, Maxine Peake, Amanda Abington, Joe Hartley, Thomas Turgoose, Michael Smiley, Butch Vig, you know that guy that produced Nevermind? Butch Vig. Um, There's Stacks, all your favourite. DJs, musicians, actors, artists, producers, go, go have a rummage and you'll find um, something that I'm sure you'll uh, enjoy listening to. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast, this is a, a completely independent thing I do. Um, you can support the podcast by going to my Patreon page. Um, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon dot com forward slash off the beat and track and over there if you want to sign up for 79p a month you get weekly radio shows you get video episodes uh, and a back catalogue of maybe 200 or so shows that have never been released to the general public so uh yeah any support over there 79p a, a month i don't know what that works out a week what's that 20 just under 20p a month a week that's not a lot is it and uh, and it all goes in the pot to help make this podcast. So um, you can support me over there, or otherwise, if if pennies are tight, then just give us a like, love, share, retweet, subscribe. That helps. Um, leave us a comment, and uh, yeah, just get the word out. And uh, and, and and I'll love you forever. Um, you can find out about everything you need to know about this podcast at your one-stop shop: www. Off the beat and track dot com right ladies and gentlemen please enjoy off the beaten track podcast with the wonderful tom bright sorry i've interrupted the podcast but with good reason hotel chocolat are our sponsors you know that now because i tell you about it every episode but they've been super kind now and you may have heard me talking about the products from the cacao bar and this gins, cream liqueurs, all sorts of wonderful chocolatey goodies. Um, And what they've done is they've set a page up on the website that you can go to, and all you've got to do is just for you off-the-beat-and-track listeners, go over there, answer a question, and you could win the full range delivered to your front door. I mean, that's kind of them. All you have to do is go to this place, hotelchocolat.com forward slash otbt podcast, that's O-T-B-T as in off the beaten track, podcast, hotelchocolat.com forward slash O-T-B-T podcast, go get your grubby little mitts on some deliciously chocolatey drinks, courtesy of our sponsors, Hotel Chocolat, I'll get back to the podcast, it's off the beaten track podcast, on the Distraction Pieces Network, with me, Stew With Whipping, okay, we are recording. Tom, how are you doing, mate?
2: I'm very well, still. How are you, mate?
1: Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, we should say that um, we, we sort of know each other. We've been chatting to each other for probably about a year. I was doing shows with you on Tinder uh, on the uh, on the radio um, show, which we'll talk about on the radio station, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, as this this unfolds. Um, and. But we've never met, so we're virtually meeting at the moment on Zoom. And I'm sure, you know, now that things are changing, that uh, we'll get an opportunity, and I can get to come to the the pub and uh, and sample your own beer, uh, which again I'm sure we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk about. Um, but just whilst we we sort of touch on um, the, you know, that we're coming out of this situation, I just want to not probably start on the on the most positive notes, but just to look back over the last sort of you know 15 16 17 months however long it's been now it's a blur and i just want to ask how you found it tom um personally um and creatively
2: well when the doo-doo hit the fan um as it as it did with all of us it was uh it was like a a tsunami taking the sails of your ship so uh you know Overnight, everything I'd built up over eight years of grafting was gone because my bread and butter was was all live music, all gigs, blah, 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 whether it be my own touring or um, events I put on in London as a promoter or whatever. Um, so, yeah, that took a bit of adjustment. I, I left London straight away. I was living in Tottenham at the time. And uh, obviously, we were all kind of wondering how apocalyptic the world would become. Sure. So my mum called me. She was like...
1: As dramatic well, as that sounds, that's true,
2: though, isn't it? It was, mate. I mean, it, because we didn't know, did we? It was like we were, we'd had the, uh, the, the ultimate fear pumped into 100%. us. <clears throat> and it was like, right... I can't even buy a bag of pasta at Tesco. <laughs> <No
1: way>. um,
2: <laughs> so I better get out of here. So I chipped off. I went to Derbyshire. Is that home? That's home for me, Little Eton, Derbyshire. And, um, I mean, there's more sheep than people there really. So it was, um, at least I was able to get the headspace and get out for my, uh, daily walk, which I stretched out for about five hours at a time. Um, but you know what? I I made the most out of my time. I, we'll talk about it through the course of this show, but I did a lot. Um I've probably mm. and, and up to this point now I would say that the past eighteen months I've I've probably worked harder than than ever. Um, partially out of a need to. Um because I, I always think that, you know, there's no more there's no better motivation than to um and to need to make things work as opposed to want so uh yeah it's all been a bit of a a mind uh, blast but yeah. in one that I think we're going to be able to look back on and go alright that was um, I've come out of that stronger I, I, I
1: agree I think there's been you know so much reflection and, and, and I think that hopefully as much as a lot of people have had a a lot of wobbles mentally and a lot of people have had a a horrific time of it and lost people and, and, and and taking nothing away from any of that, of course. But I do think that creatively when, especially if you work in sort of industries that, you know, the creative industries, I think there's always that, that fundamental punk ethos of like, when you're stripped of what you normally do, Mm. you've got to go, right. Well, look, what have I got to play with here? And what can I do with that? And I think, from that a lot of the times some real great stuff can come out of that
2: of course and obviously it was inevitable that we would be you know in the in the entertainment and hospitality fields all together we were always going to be the um kind of last to get back to what we were doing mm. Mm. um as you know well yourself absolutely absolutely so you've had to think outside the box
1: yeah oh mate it's like i've had to spin a few plates <laughs> i really yeah. have and uh but it's been it's been fun and and, and i mean we can we, we can talk about um you know setting up the, the, the radio station because that, that was something that i was you know i was tucking myself away in my little studio at the end of the garden which was an absolute blessing to have that to be able to kind of just go and, and get out of the house and and, and take some time away from the family who I'm sure were probably just as happy to have rid of me as well you know to to, to get sure, a bit yeah. of headspace and and I'd go down there and I'd, I'd play records and and I'd chat about them and I'd, I'd throw them out to me, me me podcast listeners if they wanted it or not they were getting it because it was just a, a, an opportunity for me to kind of just get a bit of headspace and offload and then w- what come about was I saw that um you'd launched a radio station so so tell us a little bit about that, Tom. I'm aware that we haven't even started on your first track yet, but I think, you know, it's a good place to kind of get this, get this rolling now before we start talking records.
2: Of course, of course. Um, so, yeah, kind of got to me being out of London for about six months. Um, I, I released my first album in May last year, and then I got my head down, I wrote a book, wrote the second album, got that recorded. And then when I moved back to London... In the at the end of the August last year. <clears throat> that was when Islington Radio started to um, become an idea and what it would be and what it would aim to do. And, you know, just kind of, it was myself and my, my mate Terry, um, who is in um, Islington Radio with myself. He has the Archway Tavern. Well, Um, and he'd taken that over literally in March last year, so he had to keep that open through the whole time. As you know, how difficult that would have been, yeah, for anyone. Um, And he said, Look, you know, let's I want to do this radio station, Islington Radio, this left field alternative kind of underground station that 's not going to tick any kind of bog standard broadcast boxes which is right up my street um, you know i don 't I like to do things away from the norm um, so I started thinking about what that could be who could be involved um, reached out to yourself of course along with many other people that um, we thought were interesting and were doing. Good things and just seems like they're on the same wavelength as as us and what we want aiming to do. Um, and yeah, and over the course of a couple of months, um, the team was a team of DJs was assembled, started putting out the first shows, as a bit of a taster. And, and, and you know what? The whole thing's just been very organic. Um, I think that you've got to learn to walk before you can run so that's why you know I've not really kind of set any like this is where we're aiming to go this is what we're, all I know is we're doing cool things you know we've, we've got a beer got a pub putting on a music festival now um, you know it's kind of like a renaissance mission yeah. kick-starting everything up again and, and we'll see where things go but uh, when you put good people together um, you're always gonna do good things.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's talk about some good things. Um, track one. Tom, tell me the song with a greatest ever intro, please.
2: My opinion, um, I want to be adored by the Stone Roses. <coughs> uh I'm a massive Stone Roses fan. Uh, in fact, John Squire signed my guitar, and um he's like my favourite guitarist. <laughs> how how when and um,
1: where did this happen?
2: Uh it happened at Mick Jones' studio, Mick Jones from The Clash. Yeah. Um, I was doing a fair bit of work down there, recording my first tracks with Mick, and uh, it was a big scene, like the Rotten Hill Gang, a band based over that way, um, full of rock and roll legends, Glenn Matlock, I practice, loads and loads of cool people in that club. And, um, and yeah, we will. Julian Temple was directing Rotten Hill TV for, I think they were going to pitch it to Sky Arts. Um, And I was playing a track um, and John was there. And, yeah, we got chatting and I had my guitar with me. And I think the week before, Johnny Marr had actually signed my guitar.
1: Fucking hell, Tom. Seriously, man. Mm. like.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Where is so, uh, this place,
1: man? Where can I hang out? Like bonkers, isn't it? <laughs> so, uh,
2: yeah. And, uh, and then, yeah, just kind of said to John, oh, I think actually John actually said, is that Johnny Marr?' Because he, re- I was like, yeah, he goes, and then he, he signed the guitar. So, yeah, that's a funny Stone Roses story. I love this track. I love this album. Um, you know, what a way to start a record. It's a, a very important record. This one and the intro is just great. I love it when the bass comes in; it just like, it all comes together. And I want to be adored. What a what a simple, significant line.
1: oh hundred percent, hundred percent. I can't believe in three hundred and fifty episodes, no one's ever chose that um, because it's uh, it's a monster intro and. And as soon as I hear it, I mean, don't get me wrong, I've been playing that record in my club for probably 30 years now, and it's still, it still gets the same response from 18-year-old kids now as it did in 1989, which is testament to, to the fact Mate, that that band was doing something very, very special.
2: Absolutely. Still, still things don't sound like that, yep. even though how many bands have tried to sound like that. But, you know, you've got Squires, the way he plays that guitar... And it's so sad to think that he doesn't pick the thing up now because, like, he's the most gifted guitarist, I think, Mm. that last, uh, well, him and Johnny Marlis. Yeah,
1: absolutely. He likes a paintbrush, though, doesn't he, Squire?
2: Loves a paintbrush. He loves chucking paint at stuff. And, uh, yeah, in fact, I've got a big print of his. I think I've got the uh, waterfall print. Nice. On canvas, yeah. Nice. Um, Well...
1: In regards to how you approach songwriting, Tom, uh, I've been spending maybe two years trying to get this question right, and I never quite frame it as, as I want it to sort of come across, but from the days when Stone Roses released that record, the way that people listen to music, the way that people uh, could access music is far different from how it is now. You know, obviously you've got the, Anything you want within two seconds now, you know, on your phone or your laptop, wherever you listen to music. Um, And it would appear from me casually sort of like looking over my kids' shoulders at their thumbs, how quickly they seem to be swiping and moving and attention spans are shrinking. Um, And so with all of that in mind, does that ever kind of, you know, the way that music is, you know, ingested and, uh, and, and, you know, in some you know in some kind of pop markets, it's almost looked upon as like a, a sort of science now and a formula to get in that pop track right. Do any of these things filter into your songwriting process? Do you know, do you get where I'm going with this question?
2: I get where you're going, of course, and you know if you talk to anyone in A& um, and R or labels or whatever, they'll always say, "You've got to get the attention in 20, 30 seconds. And I think that if you've got to be very clear on the reasons why you're doing what you're doing, you know, I was when I was starting out, obviously, I, I wanted to sign to my dream label and, and, uh, you know, headline the biggest festivals, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> and I've done amazing things, I've, you know, I've lived a, a beautiful life and done things I never thought I would do. Um, and now, you know, you kind of get to your mid-30s and I know I'm still young, but you do start thinking, you know, I'm not a kid anymore and I'm happy with the music I make and I think I've got quite a, a varied fan base, um, quite a mature crowd and... Um, a lot of the songs are very lyrical and stuff. So I think less about the getting the attention span in five seconds, personally. Although, naturally, it seems to happen. I write three-minute tracks consistently. The chorus is always there in the first 40 seconds. But, yeah, I... I think now, if you're in like the, if you're really in like the pop world, and you know you've got to cater for that kind of TikTok audience, yeah, you've got to consider so many things like ahead of the actual song itself. Do, do, do you think there's longevity in that, Tom? Like, I don't, and that's why I don't kind of go with it. I, I don't do. TikTok I don't do any of this kind of I I just feel like it's very very fake and can't be healthy and I genuinely believe that the bubble even if the bubble doesn't burst I don't believe that that is the way you have to live your life to be popular or successful
1: Mate, style will always outweigh the fashion. Like. Always. Wow. Right, I'm going to take you back, Tom. Uh, first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on
2: you, please? Uh, I mean, music, I was always obsessed, um, even though I, I wasn't actually musical. Um, and I was very late to, to picking up a guitar myself. Um, so I think as I got older, I became more emotionally attached to music. And growing up, I was into, you know, the Blur Oasis, blah, 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 blah. But I heard this particular song at a particular time, which was a really sad event, Um the saddest event in my life to that point. And it was, uh, yeah, Last Goodbye by Jeff Buckley. And it was just like a... An unforgettable, like where a song floors you, basically. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Buckley's good at that. He's pretty good at that, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> that old Grace record really is a bit of an emotional yeah. uh, roller coaster.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, 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 where was where was home growing up? Leeds.
2: No, no, Derbyshire. Derbyshire um, village in Derbyshire, Little Eaton. Um. I was actually, I was born in Germany. I was born in Berlin and a few things happened. Ended up flying to London. Uh, I went to my first nursery school in London and then um, I moved to Derbyshire when I was three, three and a half. So, yeah, I was in Derbyshire till I was 22. Uh, I became a pub pub landlord there uh, when I was 18 and then we sold that when I was like 22 and a half, nearly 23, that's when I picked up a guitar and came out of the pub. I flew one way to Sydney, Australia, and I travelled all around and played my first gigs and stuff and then moved to London January 2013. And that was, ever since then, it's just been kind of focusing on doing the thing. I mean,
1: that's an adventure. (laughs)
0: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
1: Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since
0: we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. and Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: It's an adventure, isn't it? (laughs) Just a bit. Listen up. I've only got another new sponsor. Egg Fried. It's this super cool clothing label. And if you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like... Really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and and the designers kind of weird sense of humour in the mix, and you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now they do these amazing, punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints, as well as this. They have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they've given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EggSalad, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D. Save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of Egg Fried. Also, they've got a new kids range and it's called Small Fried. And it's super cool, super cute. Um, and again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. How was it? I mean, it, it does sort of feel like there's, there's very much sort of two sides to the coin. There, you, you mentioned uh, earlier in the chat that that where you brought up there was more sheep than people, uh, and so how was that growing up in in a you know a very sort of quiet I, I presume village?
2: Yeah. How, how was Quite that? Loved it, and I still need my uh, my green therapy hit regularly. Really. Um, You know, I I think growing up in countryside for a childhood is just, uh, it's awesome. You've obviously got different dangers. You know, it's more of like, you know, that even though it's safer in a lot of ways, you you know, you've kind of, when things get very natural and you, you can go out and, I mean, I did it all, I was a bit... Bit of A bit crazy, really, growing up. Um, but, yeah, it, it was phenomenal. And to be surrounded by greenery, just, it, it's become a massive part of the way I am, really. Although, weirdly and, you know, kind of unexplainably, I always felt that I would end up residing in London, to be honest. And now I do. I, I don't know if I'd ever be able to live anywhere, even though if maybe I could live in multiple places at the same time, but, yeah, I love London and I would miss it.
1: Was home <coughs> musical growing up? There records no, on? not at
2: all. Um, music on, mainly radio, really. My um, grandma was a big part of my growing up and she'd always have her old school... Radio on, so that's kind of where I got my love for all the Rat Pack stuff and Sinatra and everything. That that was kind of my main, my my first favorite kind of genres were swing. Um, but no, not a musical home. I'm not from musical parents at all. Mum was a nurse for 46 years. She was in the army for 10. Um, my dad was in the army for. 22 years so never fancy <clears> that no never <laughs> not at all um, <laughs> no way uh, it's really not you know not me that isn't um, but yeah that's why hence why I was born in Berlin actually I was born right. in the British military hospital okay
1: well in those formative years I want to ask you about school now And so for track 3 Tom can you tell me does someone remind you of your time at school please
2: yeah, absolutely. Um, now, this song I'm going to choose, it actually came out many, many years before I went to school. But me and my group of mates, we were, um, we called ourselves the all-weather crew because whether it be snowing, raining, whatever, we would be out every Friday on park benches drinking two litres of white cider. and. Uh, <laughs> an age way 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 too long to be doing that as well one of the things that people Um,
1: never reference when they talk about them 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 two liter bottles of cider (laughs) it certainly was the case with me and i think this is where you really develop as a human being and, and learn out of stomach some really fucking grim stuff them two liters of white cider they it was always warm It was never at the fridge because you couldn't get them bottles in the fridge. They were so fucking big. You could take it off the shelf. Warm, mate. At one point, I remember my mate used to stand, we used to take turns to stand behind each other's shoulders. And so when we'd sort of guzzle it, one of us would steady the shoulders and she literally shuddered as he was trying to neck this warm cider. Eight percent. (laughs) Fucking gross, man. I
2: remember the first time as well. I mean, I was... I mean, we're talking about the age of 12, 13. I mean, it was, you know, <laughs> we were we were pretty mad. Um, and I think I might have been on antibiotics at the time, Valor. chest infection. So that sorted me out. And, um, yeah, so this song, Baggy Trousers, is one of the many tunes that we'd have blasting out of our uh, CD uh, Walkman and... Uh, yeah, baggy trousers. Here we go.
1: Living somewhere, you know, in a in a small village, you know, in uh, in the all weather crew um, was uh, <laughs> when you'd hear stuff like Madness. Yeah. What was you picturing? Was you picturing could, could, did it did it sand and and because for me as well, like Madness, is one of my favourite bands, um, uh, and I, I, I'm a lot older than you and. For me, growing up and seeing Madness videos and Madness, it, it screamed London to me. And I, I, I yeah. did, did did that kind of did it feel like something you could relate to, or did it feel very London from 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 you know from what you was hearing and what you were seeing?
2: It felt very London. I, I think I choose that song in particular because you know lyrically it's you no know, e boys in nasty, school, but but it is so London. Yeah, you know, and I think that's. Got to be one of the romantic things about it as well, you
1: know. Hundred percent, hundred percent. It's well documented on this podcast that I think that band are criminally uh underrated as as songwriters. 100%. Like, definitely, people throw unbelievable them. songs. Do you know what I mean? And, it, and it, it's so weird. I think you know people constantly sort of when talk about London, reference the Kinks, and I'm taking nothing away from them bands. I love the Kinks, but you look at the body of work that Madness have put out and the lyrical content of some of them songs, yeah. you know, you listen to, you know, songs like Baggy Trousers and, and, and Embarrassment, you know, you listen to like songs like that. And, and I think because of the, the novelty videos that they done back in the day and, and, and stuff yeah. like that, I think that kind of detracts from the, how credible they are as, as songwriters and as a band. And I think, I think they're just, they, they don't get the respect that they deserve I Madness. Know. I think they're a, absolutely incredible band and I'll, I'll generally take any opportunity i can on this podcast to to to, to rant about that because i think they're, they're they're a wonderful band
2: what is your favorite madness tune
1: probably embarrassment um or oh, do you know what i really like love struck that come a lot lot later um but nice bed and breakfast man oh this says too many mate michael to kane michael kane <laughs> I love it. It's beautiful, I love isn't
2: like it? of about
1: it. Yeah, like, It yeah. is. It is like, and that was weird. Because I mean, again, that's when like madness went from being the nutty boys to you know a serious band. Like Michael Caine oh, is yeah. a completely serious song. There's no jokes to beautiful. that. Do you know what I mean? It is. Oh, it's no. like, oh, wonderful. So, so tell me about school. How was it? It
2: was very good. Well, I mean, I will say it was very good. I never really did very well Um, when you're kind of growing up and you know you think a little bit differently um, you're never going to do that well in a kind of institutionalised environment and the only things I was ever any good at I was very good at English literature uh, and I was very good at drama and I was good at music even though I didn't really play anything. I just I got caught singing by the teacher and she pulled me into the choir. And Thomas, t- that- Sorry,
1: Tom, Thomas, your mic moved at all.
2: Uh, I might have been covering it. There
1: we go. There we go. Lovely. Sorry, You're back. <laughs> You're back.
2: So, yeah. Do you want me to say that again? No, it's fine,
1: man. Let's just keep rolling. I'll try not to edit. I like it to be pretty, uh, pretty organic, right, mate. mate.
2: Cool. So, yeah, uh, school for me... I went to a in terms of secondary school. I went, I went to a secondary school that prided itself on its excellence in the county. And um, if you were one of the academics, you would do very well, and you would get all the support you needed. If you weren't so good, you'd get chucked into basics. And um, yeah, so my my science, maths, and kind of everything that really is seen in society as matter mattering I wasn't very good at um I was very good at English and I was good at drama and I was good at music and honestly beyond that I was pretty bad I wasn't crap because I always knew that I was actually quite a a smart lad I, I trusted my brain and I knew that if I connected to something, it all went in like a, I soaked it up like a sponge. And if I just did not connect with something or, even worse, the teacher just didn't connect, then I would be, I mean, I'd be a bit of a nightmare, to be honest. I was very good at art. I was really... You know, I look back and I was actually an artist because I would do these drawings and paintings that didn't really look like anything or look like any ones. But, um, you know, if you kind of look at art and the way it should be, it was original stuff. Um, And my art teacher absolutely hated me. And it just really ruined my kind of development and I ended up dropping it. Yeah, And I think that's the... That is the main problem with education now. Um, And I will say this till I'm blue in the face, because I feel in a lot of ways I got left out to dry by the education system. And I remember not getting the grades to stay on at school and kind of getting binned off and and, um, being made to feel like a bit of a dunce, to be honest. Um, And then I had to go to college um, to kind of do a foundation year to get my grades back up to, to um, go to college. Didn't do A-levels, which I did. Uh, but luckily, at the age of 18, I took uh, a pub over with my mum and, and, yeah, became a pub landlord, which taught me way more than an education system ever will. Um, so, yeah, school was weird. Um, I, I didn't have – I had a great time socially, and I was probably uh, a little bit too much of a class clown at times, but the support from teachers, no, nah, I didn't get it one bit. Was you a show-off? Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even hesitate. <laughs> yeah, I think I was,
2: mate. I, think, um, <laughs> I was just a showman. I just a, a bit of a... Was you confident? I, wasn't, I was confident, and, you know, I was always... I'm going to say, it. I was always quite funny, you know, and, yes. and if anyone, I was Mr. Reliable when it comes to um, cracking a gag and putting yourself on the line to, um, to make everyone laugh. That, unfortunately, resulted in one too many bollockings. Um, <laughs> but, you know, in hindsight, you look back, you know, I'm glad I wouldn't change anything.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Tom, tell me the first song you bought from a record shop, please.
2: Right, I'm gonna, because I can't really remember individual song, but I do remember record, and I think that one of the singles was from this record actually, Um Marshall Mathers LP, Eminem. I loved him. Yeah. I loved everything about him. Early Eminem was brilliant, and you know, I, I think I'm, I'm the lyrical stuff and seeing this guy that was. Clearly, not your normal guy yep. doing far from your normal thing that is to be expected, and to bang out lyrics like that—it just totally uh, resonated with me. And I love—I was obsessed actually.
1: I, I think in in, you know, in in years to come, people are going to look back, and and I mean, don't get me wrong—he's you know he's obviously very very well respected, but I think you know in, in, in future generations are going to look back, and and as you said, for all them reasons it doesn't make sense on paper, but, no. you know, what he delivered, you know, was, you know, it's, it's pretty much sort of genre defining really. And and Genius, I think, man. yeah, a- a- absolutely. Like lyrically just off the scale. Um, yeah, yeah. I think there's uh, yeah. And I think also if like, if, if that drops in your kind of formative teen years as well, I mean, that's, mm. that's, that's your punk right there, isn't it?
2: It was, it really was. And it was, um, I mean, those first two albums, the lyrics on that, uh, some of the tunes, it's just like, wow. Yeah. I don't know where his head was or, you know, he's clearly not had the best time Mm. growing up. Um, I think, you know, subconsciously, I probably related to a few things here and there. And uh, yeah, just soaked it up like a sponge, mate. Loved it. Yeah, and and
1: and Thomas, a uh, uh, independent artist, like how important are record shops for you now?
2: Well, the I mean the vital really, and um, and I know that uh, loads of people get sidetracked now, and. You know, they're all chasing, everyone's chasing streams. Everyone's chasing monthly listeners and they all want a million streams on a track and everything. And I get it. And you've got to have, I know you've got to have everything on point, but something's going to come along and it's going to blow the streaming world apart. I do believe it might not be yet, but there's going to be some changes. Um, what I don't think will ever go away is the real music lovers who want to buy a physical bit of music. It's not just about buying a vinyl or a limited edition C D with a lyric booklet to flick through and you know, it's more just like buying something to buy into that person that you you just feel like
1: you know, I'm, I'm speaking of probably like from my experience of like me and my friends. It's like, uh, and, and I use an example of an artist, um, uh, uh, Billy No Mates, and when I first heard her, and I, I was lucky to get to chat to her on here, it her music blew me away. And and yes, it was on Spotify, and oh, I couldn't cool. put it on a playlist. But I'm like, okay, right, and I was every one of my mates that I turned on to that. I know for a fact that every single one of us went online, bought a record, and and mm. it's the case because I want to own it. I want. Yep. I don't know if it's just my generation uh, that that still likes something tangible. I like album artwork, and I don't get that when I'm on Spotify. Yep. I like to look at it while I'm listening to it. You know, maybe it's just because I was brought up like that. But I do think in a world where everything's virtual and everything's you know on your phone. I do think that, you know, people do still like to have something and and if it's, it's yeah, and 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 I'm whatever's coming round the corner, Tom, to kinda of switch things up, then yeah, I'm I'm waiting as well, mate, and I can't wait to see what it's gonna be.
2: The world's always gonna change and evolve and stuff, but I think there's enough people in the world to always there's always gonna be space for everyone like There's always gonna people like me are going to get older and I'm going to always buy a bit of music. And, you know, my fan base, who I know will buy records, you know, they're going to keep going and they're going to pass on their viewpoint and it will all coexist.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's, you know, there's a reason whenever you you walk in Rough Trade East that there's, a shitload of people in there because yeah, it's the experience of it as well it's the journey of of going and, and, and buying something you know it's yeah. like oh where'd you get that oh I bought that in rough trade yeah I went there I bought that that day as well and it's like attaching something to it you know that journey of like got my bag got my record I'm going to go home and I'm going to put it on and when I put it on I'm going to have a little read through the notes and find out a bit more about that artist and there's yeah, it's the journey that I love of, 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 of things like that as well.
2: Yeah, and Rough Trade are class. I mean, they they stocked my first... They still do stock my first album, Vinyl, and they sold loads um, thanks to them pushing it and stuff. And and now all the pre-orders for my second album, they're all running through Rough Trade. And, and yeah, from what I gather, there's been a lot of um, orders go in, so... There's a market there. It's um, yeah, and you know, obviously, rough trade is. You would say that it's the, the destination. Hundred percent globally now, wouldn't you? I mean, definitely. Well, maybe not globally, but you know, for for UK and hundred uh, percent US.
1: Hundred percent. Tell me the song that soundtrack your years clubbing, Tom.
2: Uh, right. So clubbing. I was never much of a clubber, but what we did used to do was um, as previously mentioned we do big, big, big outdoor gatherings on park benches with white cider and we carried on doing this till we were a bit too old to be in, in the eyes of a lot should be, be doing it um, and these became kind of outdoor raves in the pissing rain and we got bang into drum and bass and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, original Nutter by Shy FX. I love this track. I Still remember... holds up,
1: mate. Still holds up. Oh, I loved it. <laughs>
2: uh, and I, I'm a, from a village called Little Eaton. I remember thinking that it actually said Little Eaton Boy in the <laughs> lyric. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Little Eaton Boy. And <laughs> so, yeah, so, so
1: did, it, did you sort of venture into... Uh, so sort of, you know, I guess by the time you moved to, to London, it probably would have been around the time that I guess indie clubbing was rife, I imagine. And did that ever kind of filter through or was it or was it pubbing yeah. or clubbing or what was it?
2: I've always been a pub man and I love sitting down in a boozer and having a pint of ale. Um that is a bit of me and um and a gig. You know, I mean, I've been gigging since yeah, since I started, and relentlessly, you know. So, so give me a pub with a proper music venue out the back, and that is the ideal. Yeah,
1: yeah, amen to that.
2: Mate. Few and far between, you know. That it's tough to get a minute. Yep. You know, you've got they're there, and luckily on my my next tour there's some real crackers. Um, on there but yeah a lot of them are kind of you know it's a bar and a stage and but yeah nice pub and a hundred cap room out the back perfect
1: and let's just hope a lot of them have, have made it through the last sort of 16 months just before lockdown i don't know if you've uh have heard of a, a band called david Devantney spirit wife and they band i grew up on and and i hadn't been to the um Oh God! What's the bloody venue called? Since I literally played it in the nineties, um, uh, over by um. Oh God! It's next to the venue, which I now can't think what that's called either. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, bloody hell! Um, it, uh, the club night pop stars was there. That oh God! What's the venue called? Um, it
2: will come to you.
1: Not hope and anchor. Um. Oh. What is it Whitechapel White? No. Yeah, come to me. Anyway, but that was... Um, I hadn't been there for so long and it was so nice to to to, to, uh, to just literally walk in, have a pint in the pub and then know that I've got my tickets and then walk through to this like 100, 150 cap venue and just watch a band. And it was, it was just glorious. And I hadn't done it for a while. And it, and it was just like, I don't want to overplay it, but it did feel like coming home. Do you know what I mean? It had been so long since I'd sort of... Uh, done that and it was uh I'm, I'm saying this but all that's going on in my head now is trying to remember what the name of the bloody venue is but uh <laughs> it will uh it will come to me king's cross it's in king's cross uh, uh
2: water, rats. water
1: rats of course it's the water rats yeah cool. yeah first cool. thanks, proper. Mate. I mean,
2: proper, yeah that's one of
1: them yeah i'll sleep well tonight now <laughs> i've got that out of my <laughs> system <laughs> all right well, i'm gonna take you home um Track six, favourite song from an artist from your home county, please, Tom. Do
2: you know what? This is a tough one because my home county, Derbyshire, and I will go on record saying this, has not produced great artists. What have you got to Um, play with? What's in the mix? There's not many, mate. I mean, really, you look through the... Tell me a band from Derby. You know, was was white
1: tan from Derby?
2: They shot a video in Derby, but they were not from Derby, right? They shot a video in Derby for um, the, the big track. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he
1: used to run a night club in Derby that fella, Jueti, right. and I went to it and he and, and to watch David Devant and his spirit wife, bizarrely, uh, that I've just mentioned. Uh, so that was my only time venturing into to Derby and I thought that was where they were from but there you go, I stand corrected. So uh,
2: We've got a big band from Derby the make called The Struts um, but, you know, if you kind of, you look at bands that have come out of me, Nottingham has bands in abundance, Sheffield, blah, 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 blah. So I had to do a bit of digging actually. Um, But I did actually, and I I did this yesterday, I I kind of dug vintage acts that came from Derbyshire. And there was an act, a singer-songwriter, not too dissimilar to myself, um, back in the 60s, 70s, called Kevin Coyne. um, And I found this track, and I found this yesterday, and it's called I'm Just a Man. And I'm going to go with this, because it's actually a cracking tune. Okay, wonderful. Um, yeah. <laughs> well,
1: um, let's. Uh, what whilst we're talking about um, sort of finding new stuff, this is um, this is an opportunity to, 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 to give someone another one as well. Because for, for track seven, Tom, um, it's a song that many may not know that you would like them mm. to hear.
2: It is a track that a lot won't know, and he's a very very good friend of mine, um, an artist called Sam Brooks. Uh, Books with ES on the end. Now, we've been long-time collaborators. He's co-written a song on my upcoming second record. Um, We've done a lot of gigs together, a lot of touring around Europe together. And he put out his third album um, last year. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, Beautiful record. He's done three... Phenomenal albums, actually. And this song called Granite is on his new album. And it's beautiful. And he played played it for me the first time. Uh, we were in France just about to do a gig together. And the minute he played it, I was just like, man, that is, that's gorgeous. So, yeah, Granite by Sam Brooks.
1: So how did you and Sam Connor meet?
2: Right, we met. <clears throat> we met. He was opening up for someone at a gig I went to in Derby, a place called the Flower Pot. and I was only just starting out in music. I'd I think I'd been playing the chord C for for two <laughs> weeks at this point. I went to a gig with my mate, and he was opening up, and uh, and I he was just class, and I went up to him at the end, as you do. People like we, I bought a CD off him. He signed it and I, I got a chat I said, mate, I've, you know what, I've just started teaching myself how to play the guitar. And um, and he he actually wrote on this CD, good luck with with the guitar in, you know. I went off to Australia, blah 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 blah. A few years pass, I'm living in London, and I was um I'd got a studio with a couple of mates in Bermondsey and we started doing these sessions and I reached out to Sam's manager um, because I'd been following his career up to this point and we got Sam down for a session. We did a few live tracks and, um, and yeah, we, we just became mates um, and then, you know, you connect with certain people, don't you? And, and they, they do become friends and important people in your life and uh, one thing led to another. We ended up doing loads of gigs together and writing together and just, you know, over the course of years we've become, you know, he's become one of my best friends. So, um, yeah, it's just the beauty of being on the same wave- wavelength as people.
1: Nice. And he's
2: been quite a, I would say, a, quite an inspiration actually is because he's, you know, an independently releasing, Artist who has, you know, just got on with it and worked his socks off. And that's exactly what you've got to do when you do what we do.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, people can go and check that out, um, Tom, because we, we put together a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast. So people can go and listen to all of the tracks that we've spoken about today. Uh, and obviously, oh. we'll, we'll, we'll put some, uh, some of your music on there as well. Um, and as we sort of find ourselves, Venturing into the latter half of 2021 and and it, you know, looking like it's going to be a far, far more happy and connected and uh, positive time than maybe the first half of this year. With that in mind, Tom, what are you looking forward to for the rest of this year personally and what's happening professionally?
2: Well, I'm looking forward to uh, putting together. In September 10th till the 12th, Islington Radio Festival, um, in the new Islington Radio Live Room, at the back of the Archway Tavern, it's going to be yeah September with the Joe Strummer Foundation. It's going to be a great three day free entry festival um, after no festivals for so long. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then yeah, my next album is out on the 12th of November. Uh, The singles have been given some mega, mega love from Guy Garvey on Six Music and John Kennedy, Radio X, loads and loads of love so far. I'm really proud of the record produced by uh, my good friend and just all-round genius, Ed Alcourt. And I'm going to be touring the album. And in a lot of ways, touring the first album because I've, I had to cancel that album tour last year. So um, touring in November starts on the 8th of November in, um, where does it start again? Uh, The Clooney in Newcastle. And it goes to the Sunflower Lounge in Birmingham, the Lexington in London on the release night, 12th of November. And then we've got the Brunswick in Brighton, um, Louisiana in Bristol, the Castle in Manchester and the Poetry Club in Glasgow, so yeah, it's going to be great to uh, do a few miles in the Peugeot, and, <laughs> and yeah, get back to it properly, you know, and um, and do what I do best and love most, you know. Lovely. So can't wait. Lovely, and I hope to see you there, mate. Come down the Lexington, please. Let's do it.
1: Let's do the Lexington, Tommy it's been an absolute pleasure talking records with you mate it's uh, it's, it's been pleasure, so much mate. fun thank you
2: and you're as good looking as you uh look on your instagram mate so <laughs> I look forward to a yeah, look forward to a client in, in person mate 100 percent.
1: thanks mate thank you very much tom bright what an absolute gen it's really nice sometimes you just kind of you meet people and they've just got energy that you, you you kind of sort of bounce off of and and yeah just I knew that was going to be a great chat you know we'd spoken on the phone several times I love the sort of approach to how he you know he he does all of his kind of you know creative ventures it, you know I, I really kind of enjoy being around people like that and uh, it fires me up it inspires me and 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 yeah so I knew that we was going to have a lovely natter. And uh, and I hope you guys uh, and gals really enjoyed uh, listening to that because, um, well, I really enjoyed having that chat. Um, I'm back next time. Um, in the meantime, uh, go explore the back catalogue. Um, you know, I mentioned a load of names at the beginning, but I'm not going to keep rattling them all off because there's over 350 episodes out there now for you. But it's uh, a who's who of... Um, you know the world's finest uh, musicians actors comedians djs producers so go have a rummage in them archives and uh, and spin a few and see what you reckon um big thanks again to tom thanks to you lot for listening um i'll be back next time remember your one-stop shop for everything to do with this is www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com be excellent to each other and i'll see you next time bye-bye It's off the Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces
2: Network. With me stew with him.